Christian. You may be seated. Did any of you have dreams last night you can remember, even just fragments of? Interesting. Dreams are interesting. What, what are their purpose, anyway? Like, God has intention about all God does with God's creatures, and God made us to dream at night. It's like, it's like when your consciousness lets go, there's a way in which uh, the spiritual and the material come together, and, you're, and we're working stuff out in our dreams. The, the mystery of God, uh, the transcendent, the divine, like all that stuff is sort of working itself out in our dreams. And if ever there was a apologetic for art, it's that God made us to dream. Uh, if, if ever there's an apologetic for abstract art, depending on your dreams, like <laughs> dreams are it. And so there's this, this ability that artists have to help us dream while waking, like helping us to connect the spiritual through material stuff. That's what I love about art. It's so deeply biblical, like from Genesis, Joseph, like we start seeing this connection between God and humans working stuff out through dreams. And I, I met Bobette Rose in 1985, who was alive in it? No, we don't have to do that. Like, yes, Bobette. So last semester of my senior year, and Bobette was wrapping up her college education, and we were in a Spanish class together. We both sort of had an elective we had to tick off. Please do not ask us to converse with you in Spanish from that 1985 Spanish. I think it, I don't think it was the bottom level. I think it was the next level. But Roberta was uh, Bobette's name in class. So it was fun getting to know Bobette in that context and realizing, hey, we went to the same church back then in 1985. We were coming here. We weren't here, but we were at FCBC. And I went to uh, actually Lori Lang Crowsdale's senior performance on the uh, cello or on the uh, base, where she had Babette uh, translating her music into art on stage. Fascinating sort of interaction. So, oh, she was informing your... They, a conversation. A conversation, that's right. So Lori was talking with her base, and Babette was talking with the canvas, and they were talking to one another as part of uh, Lori's senior presentation. So anyway, I love how uh, Babette, Lori, and others help us to connect uh, the mystery of the divine with material stuff, like sound waves and with like material art. And, you know, this has been part of my worship ever since coming here. I surely hope this has a prominent place in our next location, one of Babette's pieces. But, but you know, there is something that this speaks that words don't so much. And so, um, you know, here at FCBC, we don't have a senior pastor. We have a teaching team, and often we invite you all to be part of that. So today, I've asked if Bobette would come and teach us with regard to art and how that intersects with our faith 
And so let me pray for you, Babette, as you come up. God, I'm grateful to have had uh, the privilege of knowing Babette Rose since 1985 and the ways in which she has spoken to me through art and through words. Now, God, as she opens up our imagination to interact with you, as she talks with us, as she tells her stories, would you open up our spirits to receive what she has to give to us today in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, leave it to Scott to open us up in a way that, like, I could now just spend the next 40 minutes talking about what you said and dreams and stuff. But I will stick to my own agenda because hopefully it'll be a little shorter. <laughs> you all know me, though. I sat at a lot of tables with you, so you know my... Um, stories can wax a little long, so I'll just apologize before I even begin. <laughs> um, I have made notes, not because I need notes to remember my stories, but I need notes, if I pay attention to them, to stay on track <laughs> and not uh, kind of meander, and I've already started by meandering right now. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Um, I need to uh, sit here, but um, uh, Scott was going to open with a, or I, Scott and I had talked about possibly opening with a passage, and um, I am going to open with this passage and then pray. It, uh, it won't, it'll make sense after the first story. Let me just um, open with this passage. It's very short. It's from Hebrews 11.1. 1, and um, it says, now, it, and I'm sure most of you know this because it's very common. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And I'll um, refer back to that and why that is kind of a big passage in my own particular life. Let me just open us in prayer. You know, I was going to stop my stopwatch here so that I could see how long, and I'm not. That's a dangerous thing I just told you, but I'm not going to do that because <laughs> it will just make me crazy. Um, you just have to know I, I had that heart at one point. <laughs> Oh, thank you, God, for gathering us today uh, here in this building and the people who are joining us online through Facebook and even the people who are doing their thing today on vacation or, or out. You have gathered us as a body that we're so grateful for each other. We pray that you would continue what you've already started through our musical worship time to fill our hearts and our minds and our souls. Open our spirits to continue to receive what you have for us today and transform us, Lord. Oh, Lord, we want, we want more than just a good 
word or an interesting story. We want transformation. We want revival. We want to come closer to you today and every day. But in this moment, move among us and through us and make us more like you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Um, so, uh, like, this isn't the first time I've gotten up here to talk about the arts. And uh, so those of you who, who are a part of this church kind of know I, I, I come up and I have a, a certain kind of agenda that I talk about. I, um, but today I was thinking, I think I'm just going to tell some stories, just a few stories about things I've encountered along my way as an artist that have convinced me of the value of investing my life in the arts. Um, because if I get the, what Scott has asked us to do is to think about what we do in the day-to-day -day and how that relates to um, our faith and uh, in the kind of non-professional uh, Christian world, the non-missionary pastoring type of world. What about those of us who don't hold those titles and don't get paid for doing that kind of work? But th the thing about the arts is it's a little different. It's, it's not really a job. It's not really a career. I do do things. I have done things my whole life, um, teaching art and doing wor workshops, doing talks like this, and uh, a variety of projects that I do get money for. So it's not that you don't ha do work as an artist. Oh, and sometimes people actually buy one of my pieces. But it's not really, um, we don't have a nine to five job. We don't expect to retire at some point. It's more of an identity. Uh, and um, I do work uh, as a professional designer, digital designer, web designer. Um, so I, I feel blessed that I've been able to take my creative skills and thinking into a world that people will actually pay for on a regular basis. My landlord is also happy about that. And, um, but the stories I'm going to share today are, are really out of that fine art place where I uh, have my identity. But that being said, and although I have been a creative child, I mean, I grew up drawing and being interested in, in making art. <laughs> If you, if that's what you're doing when you're a kid, um, I as a as I moved into adulthood, I, I really uh, challenged God to give me some sense of meaning about what it meant to be a, an artist, because like the rest of our culture and especially the church, I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out what 
the value of having one more painting on the wall was. And um, I didn't like any more than a lot of people in the church like this kind of idolization of creative people in our culture. I didn't want to be that person. And if, and that was what the, the art world was wanting to train all of us up into is to become, you know, big artists, showing artists or whatever. That's what it looked like you were if you were successful at it. So I didn't really know what it, what is it I'm I'm doing? What is it I'm wanting? What is it that God's calling me to be? I, I don't get it. And um, I definitely came from a family embedded in the church. And my parents and sisters and my brothers sometimes did very good work, very work that seemed like it was very valuable and um, necessary. So, And here I was, this kind of outlier even in my family as a creative person which they supported, but they didn't get any more than I did, like how that would play out as an adult. Anyway, um, in 1987, so a while ago, uh, while working on my Master's of Fine Arts, um, that challenge in prayer took me to South Africa. I decided... I was going to go visit uh, a couple friends that I had made in undergrad. We had made this plan. We weren't, we weren't really planning on apartheid and a military state to be part of the mix, but it was. And I was um, on my own journey to try to, as I said, search out meaning and stuff. So I thought, like, okay, I'm going, I'm going to this place that the rest of the world, especially the United States, but really the rest of the world said was the evil nation, the evil country of the world. You know, all the bad guys in the movies were South Africans and all the, um, uh, it was actually very hard to get into South Africa because uh, most countries wouldn't even fly a plane into it. And, and land, so I had to go a very circuitous route in order to get there. But um, my friends assured me it would be okay, that's not as bad <laughs> as it sounds. And, um, uh, and I also wanted to visit a, a, a place, have an experience where I wasn't in the majority, that there was, it was another culture and it was not my culture not only not my culture, but not even my race, which isn't really true about South Africa because there were plenty of white people and that's where I hung because at that point, the whites and the blacks and the coloreds, and there were actually at least three different groups in South Africa at the time, were, uh, didn't mix a lot except, well, I'm not gonna go, this isn't a story about apartheid. But um, anyway, I, I hooked up with uh, the leader of the missionary um, missions of the um, Dutch Reformed Church for the southern part of the country. And so I proceeded. I spent a, a whole summer there, 
and I kind of hung out with him going and checking out all these different ministries. It was like an amazing kind of input in of learning about missions and missionaries. Um, but uh, and at one point, I ended up in an orphanage for abused children who had been removed from their homes because of violence or abuse of some kind. And um, okay, now Ross, this is where. Okay, great. <laughs> this is actually not a picture of that orphanage because weirdly enough, I don't know, I'm just a weird person. I didn't take any pictures on this trip. And um, of course now I wish I had, but <laughs> back then I just thought, oh, that's too touristy. Anyway, it doesn't matter, but I didn't take any. But this actually is uh, an orphanage in South Africa, not the one I went to because that one doesn't exist anymore after apartheid, but it looked a lot like this. I mean, this was kind of the feel that I had when I was there of these little buildings and kids playing outside. Um, I really, I, I fell in love with this place. Um, I already had a, had a desire for, for working with kids, and um, so I was kind of, oh, this is, this is what I should be doing. And interestingly enough, when the headmistress um, took me kind of on a tour, just a private tour where we were talking, and she looked at me and said, would you consider staying here and, and working with us? And I was, in one part of my brain, I'm going, yes. This is exactly what I'm hoping. This is so valuable, and you know, I'm really be doing the work of God, and we're doing something important. But another part of my brain, and this is what I spoke out. I said, "But what would I do here? You know, I'm not a counselor. I'm not even an art therapist. You don't need. You've got the food prep and the laundry and the taking care of kids thing already covered. I, I don't know what I would do there. And she said something to me that has changed the course of my life. And I wrote it. I'm going to read it just so I don't paraphrase what, what she said. Um, she stopped me and said, you can help children look at clouds. I wanted to because she began looking up at the clouds and see something more than smoke. You can paint pictures that dream of days beyond fear and you can help children who have lost hope reimagine it. I can find all kinds of people to feed these children, but they need so much more than food. And this, I had never heard, this blew my mind. I had never heard hope and creativity so connected. And I knew the minute I heard it that I was hearing truth. And I, um, weirdly, ironically, as she said that, she gave me the reason to come back 
to the United States and continue to pursue my art degree and what it means to be an artist. And I've been noodling on that, what she said, and, and going to scripture, and I'm just going to go back to the, because I go like, okay, Lord, I, I hear that, that makes sense to me, but I want to see that in scripture. You know, I want, I want to have some confirmation that, that this is really your thinking and not just, uh, oh, that's, that's a very artistic, poetic way to think about things. And um, I could do and have done in this church a whole meditation on the, the first few chapters of Genesis. Not going to do that. Going to go back to Hebrews. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And I have one version, and I think when I read it, it's things we have not yet seen. Hope and faith are related to being able to be confident in the things we have not yet seen. Things we have not yet seen. If you could put a definition on what the imagination is, it's looking at things not yet seen as if they were. And being able to act on those as if they were real. And if you don't, and all of a sudden I got it, I, I go, if you, if you don't have that ability to imagine something, you can't really hope and, and have faith in it and really move towards that. And uh, so I have been um, thinking about that over the years, unpacking that, uh, working at um, defining myself more as a hope giver than as a person who makes paintings on the wall. And I could go on and on about that. And I have, I know, with some of you in the privacy of our dining room tables and such, uh, gone on <laughs> and on about that. So I, I think I'm just going to move on in a very awkward transitional way to another story. <laughs> okay. So this is a, a piece that I did. It's called Life is War. It's, it's a small piece. It's, it's weird to see it this big because it's really just a five-by-seven piece. It's done on paper with wax. It's hung from a twig, which looks like a huge branch up here, but it's just a tiny twig, and it's hung on gold threads. And I, it's from a, a series that I've been doing, really, for years that I think of as my journal series. So these are very quick pieces. I, I take a, a page from a book that's speaking to me at the moment, and then I start drawing and painting on it. And um, it's usually capturing whatever moment I happen to be in at the time. So you can imagine with a title like Life is War and this kind of image, I was not having a really great day that particular day. Um, I, don't, I, I don't often show these pieces. They're kind of more for my own 
kind of moving through, but I did show a number of them uh, several years ago at a show at the Overture Center. Kind of hung them in between. We had some space I needed to fill, so I thought oh, these pieces will work in there. So I put them up at the uh, artist's reception, which I'm sure you know most Art shows have an invitation at some point, either an art opening or closing, where we invite people to come and and free food, free drinks if you're at the Overture Center. I mean, they don't pay for it. I pay for it, but it's <laughs> still free to you. And um, so, uh, so it was at the event of the show that this was in, and a couple came up to me and asked if this was my piece, because it was a group show, and I said, yeah, yeah, that's my piece, and that's a typical, I, lots of, you know, during an opening, that's, you're talking to people about your art. So then they begin to tell me their story, that they're actually from out of town, that they're staying in a hotel in downtown Madison, they were just walking back to the hotel from dinner, and they were passing the Overture Center. They weren't quite sure what it was, but it looked like a public place, and they could see through the window that there was a gathering of people, and they just felt compelled in their spirit to come in. So I'm, I'm intrigued. Okay. <laughs> That's, you got me. I wasn't exactly sure where this was leading, but okay, it's a, a good prelude to something and um, and then they began to tell me that why this piece uh, stopped them and, and they knew when they came in and saw this piece that that they were meant to see that piece and they talked about that they had two sons who had enlisted in the army and both sons had recently been killed in the Afghanistan war. And of course, that just, just hit my spirit. You know, and I could barely breathe because no, that's a huge story. It's a huge story to share with someone you don't know. And um, I wasn't sure. I just began praying. I go, okay, God, I have just entered holy ground. Please give me what it is you want me to give them that you brought them in here. And life is war. And uh, they said, in addition... I don't know if they said in addition, but in addition to the fact that their sons had died and like their family had been decimated, they no longer had any children alive, they, um, they said they didn't believe in the war. They were pacifist and they had begged their sons not to enlist. And so here... You know, was were, so they were not just grieving their sons. They were having a crisis in faith. Somehow during the course of what they said, I kind of 
thought that they were probably coming out of a Catholic tradition, um, a faith tradition, and uh, they continued to talk. She's crying, obviously. I'm crying, obviously. The father is not crying, but definitely emotionally engaged. You know, and um, I, I didn't know what, to, there was nothing I could say. I just listened to them. I let them talk as long as they needed to talk. Nothing was fixed at that show. There were no magic words that were said that made them go away feeling good. But um, I did ask, as it was, when we were coming near the end, if I could pray for them. And so they, here we were in the Overture Center in the middle of a group of people drinking their wine and eating their cheese and crackers. And I'm, I'm and we had been talking for at least half an hour, maybe longer, which is a little upsetting to other people who also want to share their stories or congratulate me but and I, I just prayed the presence of God on them during this grieving this, this moment that they could really feel his presence and we embraced and they left and I've never seen them again I don't know who I don't know their names I, um, I share this story because what I love about being an artist is the privilege that my art acts as a bridge to have those kinds of conversations. And those kinds of conversations are not that uncommon in my world. Um, I don't know if it's because my work comes from an emotional place and I do, I do do a lot of prayer and meditation in the process of making it but it stirs things up in people and opens them up to sharing what those stirrings are. So I have been privileged over the years to hear many people's stories, many people's secrets, many people that, anyway, it's just, if that were the only great thing about art, it would be enough to keep me doing it because it's, it's a, a privilege. Um, but not, there are other things that I love about being an artist, and one of them is uh, um, being a part of a community of artists. So, uh, in fact, so I have a lot of friends who are artists, and um, I, ha I have many friends from um, both in and out of the church here in the Madison area and also connecting with people around the country and even internationally. And the thing that we hold in common that gravitates us towards each other is the fact that we share this understanding of making art, which is, all di which is different from all of us. You know, each of us has our own story and own journey as an artist. So I don't speak, even today, even though I may sound like I'm speaking, I don't speak for every other artist in the world. I'm just speaking for me. But um, 
but it's uh, such a joy to me to have these friendships and relationships. And in fact, I have some friends here today who I just asked to pray for me during the prep of this and who have showed up and just to encourage me. And, um, and of course, we have artists in this church, too, that have, have done that. Uh, but it's uh, we understand it is not easy to talk. You may think it's easy for me because somehow in a pinch I can muster up the ability to articulate myself. But really, I think I do share this with a lot of artists. There is nothing harder for us to do than to stand up and talk about our work especially the more personal the work is, the harder it is to talk about. And um, so thanks, you guys, for coming. It really does, it do, it really does help. But all that said, community isn't easy. It's friendships can get messy. Uh, when you show with uh, people who think about the world, have different worldviews than you have, that doesn't always uh, make for easy sailing. And um, one, uh, one group I'm thinking about, I, I have a group of people, we don't, we don't really show too much together now, but at one point we were sh showing, there were about 10 of us. I was the only Christian in the group, but several others were definitely engaged, had their own spirituality and were a spiritual worldview. So in that, we connected. But the other thing, I won't go deep in it, and it, a lot of people already, a lot of Christians already assume this. There could be a whole teaching on this, is that the art world really struggles with Christianity or Christians. I don't know that it struggles with Christianity or Jesus, but it struggles with their perception, how they were raised, the, the religious viewpoints that have been hammered into them. Um, so it's, it's not uh, necessarily... And I, my spirituality doesn't sit on the same plane as, as just being a spiritual person. Um, although, you know, Jesus said we're a stumbling block, right? So <laughs> I don't think it's all about the fact that of what the culture, the Christian culture has done. Some of it's just truth is hard to, to stay in the room with. But, um, I, so, but I'm not a preacher. I'm not an evangelist. I'm, uh, but I am a person who lives life out loud. So I, I really think that all of my friends, Christian and non-Christian, know that I'm a Christian, know that that's an important part of my life. I, I respect other people and what is important to them spiritually, but I don't uh, hide or apologize for my own spirituality. And um, so, okay, that's... So I, I'm in this group. This one year, we decide to propose to the Overture Center and the Wisconsin Symphony Orchestra to do a body of work around whatever piece the orchestra is doing that year. 
and performing at the overture. And then we would hang it in the, there's a, a gallery outside the hall that the, the symphony um, performs in and we would have openings and we, anyway, they loved the idea. They gave us a little money to do it. So we're all excited. It's a great idea. I'm excited. I was one of the people to push the idea. I get um, very inspired by music. I like classical music. I wish I had done my homework just a little bit more because although I knew that the piece that the symphony was doing that year was called Carmina Burana, I, I really didn't know too much about it. I mean, I listened to a few snaps of it and I go, oh yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, that's nice. And, um, but when, but so Carmina Burana is, was composed by Carl uh, Orff and there is a lot of controversy historical controversy around that guy and this music. I'm just going to give you a peek into that because um, I, again, could go off in a whole tangent on, but he was the favored composer of Hitler. And this particular music was the favored piece of his that, that Hitler um, had his troops march to when they were on parade. That's why it sounded familiar to me. We've all heard some portion of uh, that um, opera. And, um, and once we found out as a group, we go, oh my goodness, well, let's just ignore that. <laughs> Let, let's just go back to the origins of this, of this music because that is just too sticky of a thing to deal with and we didn't know where we, th anyway. So, it, it, so we went back further and what Carl Orff was doing, uh, what he created this opera from, it's a series of medieval songs that were created by monks and priests, maybe just monks, I don't quite understand the church in the medieval times, who were disenfranchised with the church, had left the church, and had gone off on their own and uh, wrote these songs that they sang as troubadours along the countryside. And I'm going, oh, great people who hate the church. <laughs> okay. And then we're reading the lyrics, and this, the, this group of songs is all about the, wheel, the wheels of fortune, and everything's random, and you spin the wheel, and maybe you're going to have something good and powerful happen and the next day you spin the wheel and it's going to be devastation and poverty and you spend uh, you, like you just can't predict nothing means anything and it, it's it's all random and i go oh great and then a lot of the songs are pretty darn body i mean free sex drinking, 
uh, gambling, let's celebrate, the, you know, just celebrate life as, as it comes to you because it doesn't matter anyway and you might as well go for it. <laughs> just, and whenever we would get together, this group, oh, they just got into it. Oh, we can do all these images and, you know, like, I wonder how far the overture will let us go. And, <laughs> and um, I just kind of remained silent and praying, Lord, I, I don't know. Eventually I thought, I, I think I'm going to have to step out of this. I, I just don't, I don't even want to spend the time in my studio dwelling on this stuff, let alone being on the wall where with others who had gone to this place and I don't even know what place I would go. And so I was thinking, I just think I have to step out, which, which I was not looking forward to because I knew this would be interpreted as, oh, this religious Christian, who's getting all judgy on us. And, um, and, and it would just play into every stereotype they had of, of Christian. I knew that there was no way I was going to frame it in a way that wasn't going to do that. So before I met with them to kind of give them this announcement, I... I kept praying and I read through the lyrics one more time. And I, I was really praying God would give me some kind of handle on it. And uh, I came across this song. I had seen it before, but I, I must not have read it all the way through. It's near the end. And it talks about... Let's take a drink. I mean, it starts out talking. Let's drink a drink to the, to the, I can't even remember the different things, but like to the gambling, to the play, to, to, the, to the poverty, to the devastation, to hunger, to, to opulence. It's, it's like just stanzas and stanzas of all this, um, let's take a drink, which is I think I kind of went through a few of them. I go, okay, I get the gist of where this is going. But at the end, it actually really turns into saying there's, there's no hope in this and we are all going to have to end up in the bar because of the situation of life and um, there isn't enough money. So I think I'll, let me, this is the piece I did called 600 Pennies. There's a, a phrase in the song that says 600 pence will not be enough to buy all the beer that it will take for all the people who will need to be to become drunk because they because this is such a sad state of affairs and all of a sudden I got it I got what all of those songs were about and um, I got this, this image, oh, I'm going to do something with 600 pennies, and there's 600 pennies in there. Um, oh, this gives you a, a little bit of, I just made one a little larger. So it was, 
some of them shiny, some of them oxidized and not shiny and looking old and trying to capture that idea that in every state we are going to need money to, we will not have enough money. Anyway, I went to my friends and I said, I'm going to do this piece called 600 Pennies. And I read them the stanza I was doing it from and I said, you know, I think we've been misinterpreting these songs. I don't think that, I think this is a lament. I think this whole thing is a lament. And it's, it's, it's clearly a lament in this particular song that this is not a good situation. This is a, a sad fact that these singers thought of life and um, they all looked at me first off. It's like I'm raining on their parade a little. But then they go, like, really? And so we read through the whole opera again together. And they got it. I mean, that, that when you have that in your mind, you can begin to see how the, the lyrics thread through that, that grieving lament from the beginning, not just in that one that I picked up. And it, it changed the whole nature of the show. And we began having these conversations on what, what would it be like to live a life that had no meaning? And is it random? I mean, w would we even want it to be random? And um, it, was, it was just really became a very rich moment of creating and all their work. There wasn't a body thing on the, on the wall. It was all work that was really asking questions in their own way, my own way, about what, what is this thing of life and meaning and how important is it? And um, so I'm, I'm really proud of this show and uh, we got a very good reception uh, to it. Uh, but the thing I learned from it is I need to stay in the mix because if God has called me to be with a group of people or to be in something, there's a reason. And I need to trust that and not just like it was offensive, I have to say, at the beginning. A lot of those conversations were offensive to me. And I couldn't... I felt like I needed to push back, and then I couldn't push back, blah, blah, blah. But um, in the end, there we were, we needed to be taken to a deeper place. And if I hadn't been struggling so much with it, I wouldn't have gone to that deeper reading, and I wouldn't have brought it to them that would help them go to that deeper reading. So I, th I think that's... Uh, one of the things that I've learned as I've worked with a number of artists, whether they're Christian or not, I sometimes have the same messiness with working with other Christians. I don't, I don't always theologically <laughs> hang with them, and and yet you're sitting on the wall with them, and uh, there is a certain kind of understanding that you're endorsing it all if you're sitting on the wall with someone. So um, it's a journey to uh, be able to do that.
Yeah, but it, it's something, it's been one of the rich things in my life. Okay. So, I'm not too far off, except I'm not done. <laughs> I have one more story, and um, I, w I wanted to just talk a little bit about creativity in this body and the story I've had sojourning in this body for the last 30-plus years. Actually, I'm, it's not that long of a story, but <laughs> I have been here for another 30 years. And, um, you know, I wanted, to, I, I, of course, I'm thinking just like most of you that about this specific moment that we're in as we're about to launch on a new adventure. We've just spent the last few years praying, having all kinds of, of feelings for those of you who are visiting our church. We have made a decision to uh, become a little nomadic at the end of the fall and we were selling this building is part of a development and we decided not to be part of that development but to, to sell the building and see where God would lead us um, and with that we didn't come to that easily we we've spent a lot of prayer in doing that um, so we're in a place we're uh, thinking about who we are, what our uh, definition, our identity is outside of these walls, and what do we want it to be. Um, what do we? We're not really questioning our vision as a church. We're just asking God to show us what that looks like. And um, so recently. This will all connect eventually, but I'm going to jump to uh, recently I went on an artist retreat, a week-long artist retreat down near St. Louis with um, some other Christian artists from really around the country. There were about 30 of us. It was with uh, SIVA, Christians in the Visual Arts. That's a group I periodically hang out with and periodically get together with um, people from that group who I never see except in these moments that we get together for conferences and retreats. So it's a, it's a weird friendship that just hops along the years by these one moment encounters. Anyway, cutting to the chase, I... Um, so I was there uh, in St. Louis with this group, and a, a couple people came who I'd never met who were artists involved in a community art center in St. Louis. And um, they were actually the leaders. It was a community art center. So it had a church, and it had a community art center. And the pastor came to of the church. It, it, it's a Lutheran church, so I don't know if they call them pastors or priests or whatever. Anyway, the leader of that church was part of the retreat, and so was the leader of the art center 
which the church um, birthed and is, does. It's a community arts center, though. It's not a, just a Christian place. And it's, um, oh, let me get past this. So this is, it's called Intersect Arts. It, it does classes. Uh, it has um, visual art classes like this, but it also has music classes and dance classes. And I don't know if it has theater classes or not. It might, might have performance, though, in any case. And um, then it also has a gallery uh, space. And they also have um, studio space that they rent out to local artists. So, and it's, it's right downtown in the, in the middle of the urban part of St. Louis, which... It's kind of, if you know St. Louis, St. Louis is uh, kind of a hard economic place. So the, the, air, the area downtown is a little, it's trying to reinvent itself, but it's also uh, a very economically distressed city as a whole, and especially in the downtown area. But um, I never... I never actually seen anything like this. So the the thing that really um, caught me about this is like how out of the box it was, and what they brought to their community wasn't like anything anyone else was bringing to that community. And the pictures I'm showing you are are what it is today. But when I talked with with the leaders, um, just kind of casually at the retreat, you know, they were saying, oh, we started really small. We didn't barely had just a handful of people. And, you know, eventually we just prayed and thought we should start this. This is something our city needed. And um, so it has organically grown into something that looks like this. It didn't start looking like this. And... Um, you know, it, it just made me think about the journey we're on right now. Not because I think, oh, we're going to be an art center. I mean, we have talked about possibly doing something in the arts, but who knows if that's really what we're going to be doing. Um, what I really thought, though, that's so out of the box. I mean, they didn't have a template. You know, it doesn't look like every other church and uh, that was there. And they didn't just create something that looked like a typical Lutheran church. They, they really prayed about it and together um, came up with this idea and moved it forward. And I think, you know, our church is very out-of-the-box thinking. We are a very creative group of people. If you really look at how... We organize ourselves around elders and not a lead teacher, how we have um, done things really throughout our whole history and our prayer rooms and stuff. We, we really think creatively, not just the artists. I know I'm not the only 
person in this church that, that presents to the community as an artist. But I know that sometimes those of us who do, the rest of you kind of peg like, oh, we're the creative people. But we aren't, right? We couldn't do, we couldn't be this church and this little body and even hang on to this moment and have enough belief that there's something God's going to show this little uh, tribe of ours to do in the future if, if all of us weren't uh, willing to pray and had the ability to think out of the box and get creative. Um, so I don't know what we're going to look like in the future. But what I do think is that God's giving us an opportunity that whatever we look like, it's going to come out of all of us, and it's not going to look like any of us think it's going to look like today. And it's not going to look like that video we put together to show to the neighborhood house either. <laughs> Even if we somehow make that, that's, that's the plan. It's not, we don't have it yet. We have to, and, and yes, we might be in a moment right now where this feels kind of sad as we're packing things up. It's always hard to move. It's always hard to change. But where we're going, oh my gosh, it's so exciting, you guys. And we are in such, I mean, think about the resources we have to do, to do something and I, I just think as we continue to pray through this and not just let the elders figure it out and not just let the artists, quote, unquote, figure it out, but as we all get together, just like we were praying through the last three years, let's continue to pray through the next three years and see what, what God builds. I, I'm just saying that's the story I'm going to tell the next time I get up here is, is that story. And um, it's been a privilege, such a beautiful thing in my life that this church has been a part of every story that I've walked through as an artist and creative person in the last 30 years. So, um, and if God gives me 30 more, I anticipate this body feeding into my story the next 30 years. Okay. Ah, it's not so bad. It's only 1140. <laughs> the verse is 11.1, and it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not yet see. And I'm just going to end uh, my time here with closing prayer, and then, then Scott's going to come back and give us our final words of wisdom. But uh, let me just pray. Lord, I pray for your release of creativity and community over this little tribe of yours. Thank you for how you have knit us together. Even in the craziness of the last couple years of isolation, still here we are.
and still here you are. For everything that has come before, we thank you. And for everything that you are calling us into, we thank you. You, Jesus, are at the center. And where you are, there we are. And where we are, there you are. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.